0: This is a Squeeze podcast, where your shortcut to being informed. When it comes to news conversations about the population of the world, quite often it's about overpopulation this idea that too many people are already strangling the planet. But for some countries, so we're talking Japan and South Korea, the conversation's actually not about too many people, but too few. In this shortcut, we're talking shrinking populations, what the governments of those countries are trying to do about it, and if too few people is really such a big deal. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, the idea for this shortcut Came about a long time ago. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I've been hassling you about this one for a while. I saw a couple of articles about the fact that birth rates in Japan and South Korea are plummeting. It was a bit of a reverse of what you tend to see across the news cycle a lot of conversation about overpopulation. This is a conversation about underpopulation and how they're desperately trying to get
1: women to have more kids. And I thought, This is something we might need to understand a bit more about. (laughs) Yeah, and I think we just get used to the idea that the world is all about dealing with way too many people, um, too much pressure on scarce natural resources. And it's kind of surprising when we hear from some countries that they're actually battling declining numbers of people.
0: Yeah, so let's start with Japan. Back in January, its Prime Minister, Fumio Kishida, gave a major speech and he warned, this was what he actually said, Japan is on the verge of whether we can continue to function as a society.
1: He said, Claire, prioritising children was a matter of urgency for the country. Yeah. So Japan's population has actually been shrinking for the past 12 years. It hasn't just crept up on them at all. Mm. Uh, It got to a peak in 2008, 128 million people at that time. And since then, it's been losing a few hundred thousand people every year. And it got down to around 125 million last year. Now, it probably doesn't seem like a huge deal when you look at those numbers and you look at a population that is actually quite big. Mm. Uh, A few million here or there doesn't really seem to matter much but it's seen as a major crisis in the country that has the third biggest economy in the world behind the United States and China.
0: Yeah, and the reason its population is falling is actually pretty straightforward. People just aren't having kids.
1: Yeah, and it's got one of the lowest birth rates in the developed world. So for every woman, there are only 1.3 children being brought into the world. And demographers say that that is way below the replacement rate, which is pretty self-explanatory. Without immigration, you need a birth rate of about 2.1% for a population to remain stable. Um, One kid for every person, and a bit of a buffer. A bit of a buffer
0: as well. So 1.3 is one of the lowest among wealthy nations. The country that's actually right at the bottom of the reproducing pile, I guess, is actually South Korea. It's only got a birth rate of 0.78. We do understand that there's no such thing as 0.78 of a baby, (laughs) Um, but this is maths, right? And that's really quite something.
1: Yeah, it really is. So every couple on average is not even producing one baby Mm. and of course, when you look across the averages, um, the reason for that low birth rates are big issues in Japan and South Korea. Both of them have really strict immigration policies on top of that. So foreigners only make up about 3% of their populations.
0: That's really different
1: to a place like
0: Australia, where there are lots of different ways to become a permanent resident or a citizen. So for example, about 30% of Australia's population was born overseas. Claire,
1: we've really relied on immigration for population growth since World War II. Yeah, but it's not the case in a lot of places in Asia and Japan and South Korea are kind of like the canaries in the coal mine trying to work out how you manage falling populations, particularly if you're not prepared to open the door to migrants.
0: Yeah, so we've sort of given people the context of what's going on there, but we haven't answered the question why they're so worried about their populations falling. Let's get into that now. (music) So Claire, as I said at the beginning of this episode, I reckon there would be a lot of people who reckon falling populations are a good thing, that there are way too many people in the world. Explain why Japan and South Korea are so concerned about this.
1: Both of them are facing pretty similar challenges. So we've talked about declining birth rates and the fact that they don't really support any serious levels of immigration. Uh, on top of that, though, you can expect to live a really long time in both of those places to around 84 years old. And that's one of the big issues for policymakers, that there just aren't enough working age people to support the older population. And we know old people cost money. It's a big topic of discussion even here <laughs> in Australia.
0: Um, I'm sure I've heard treasurers talking about that for a long time now though that we can't afford all the things like pensions and Medicare and now the NDIS without enough people paying taxes to afford all those
1: things I guess. Yeah exactly but in Japan and South Korea the issue is really kind of urgent uh, because there really isn't any public support to use immigration to get more workers into the country so they're going to have to find another lever to pull
0: more babies. We'll talk about that in a second. Let's start with South Korea. Back in March, the government floated the idea of raising the legal limit on how many hours you could work in a week to 69. That's 10 hours a day, Claire, with no days off.
1: Yeah. And guess what? There was a huge uproar <laughs> from Gen Z and from millennials. Uh, there's already a word in South Korea, which is Rosa which literally means death from overwork. Mm-hmm. So the younger population said that there's no way that they're going to have it. I remember when this happened. It was quite the story. President Yoon
0: backed down. That's the president of South Korea. There's still this huge resentment among young people because they already work some of the longest hours in the developed world. And at the same time as telling them to work longer, the government's also telling them that they want them to have children as well.
1: Yeah, and clearly they don't know where they're meant to find the time to do that. Um, (laughs) Women particularly have been outraged by this because the government has tried to sell these working hours as a way to create flexibility, Mm. um, saying that families could bank time off and use it for a holiday. But in reality, women reckon that the culture in that country is that men would be in the office all day and all night and if they did have a child, they would be the ones expected to do all of the caring. The internal
0: debate, isn't it? In various places across the world, even though South Korea has increased its maternity leave from 12 to 18 months, women say it's hardly an incentive to have kids if all the other issues around childcare, working hours and traditional gender roles aren't addressed.
1: Yeah, exactly. And in Japan, uh, it's a bit further down this road of trying to turn things around, they're literally throwing cash at the problem. So Mm. they're giving families money when they have a baby and from then on, monthly allowances until kids graduate from high school, uh, it will literally add up to tens and tens of thousands of dollars.
0: Yeah, the government there also recognises it's got to do more to encourage women's overall happiness. So it's looking at how it could support flexible working hours for both parents with young kids. And I guess
1: the idea is to start to break down those traditional gender roles in Japan. Yeah, and it's not a sure thing that any of those measures are actually going to move the needle a whole lot. Mm. Um, Japan has been tweaking policies for a long time and it's kind of like the next generation has made up its mind already. So we know the governments there consider this to be a big, big
0: problem. But if we zoom out a little bit, there are some that say it isn't a problem at all. Let's get into that now. Claire, the United Nations
1: doesn't think that this is a bigger problem as South Korea and Japan thinks it is. (laughs) Yeah, so the UN (laughs) Population Fund, they've got a whole different view on this. Uh, The global fertility rate is sitting at about 2.4. So overall, humans are still going to more than replace themselves and the world's population is growing. So they really think that we need to get comfortable with this idea that migration is going to be the key driver of countries' overall population growth.
0: Yeah, so like Australia, our birth rate fell below two in the 1970s. We've been relying, as I said
1: earlier, on immigration since then to keep our population growing. Yep, exactly. And the United States is the same. And the United Nations sees that as a good thing. It's not so long ago in the 1950s that there was an average five births per woman. And the fact that it's decreased in so many countries, from the United Nations point of view, that's a healthy sign that women are exercising control over their own reproduction.
0: It's quite a complicated topic actually when you really break it down. I think um, women everywhere would say it's something to be celebrated that women and girls have choices now. It's not babies or nothing.
1: Yeah, and if countries are serious about tackling this, like South Korea and Japan are finding out, it's not just about a few handouts. Women aren't going to have children unless there's good, affordable childcare, sharing of parenting roles, also an equal chance at a career path. And they don't want to be stuck in this assumption that they're going to do all of the child rearing and look after ageing parents as well. Yeah, of course, tying those two issues together, especially when we're talking
0: about Japan and South Korea and what they're going to do about declining births. um, I guess the question is, will they compromise on the immigration point?
1: Yeah, and this is where you've got some economists saying AI, Particularly good old artificial intelligence. It could We're be. We're back the f- there. Yeah, it's the answer to everything. Uh, <laughs> it could be the future for these countries with fewer workers. That would give Japan, which is already one of the most sophisticated economies in the world, a chance to boost its output without adding extra people.
0: Yeah, and look, a lot of climate scientists are pretty happy with the notion of falling population. They also reckon Japan and South Korea can really lead the way here.
1: They're looking for them to innovate. If they can show the world you can maintain standards of living with fewer people. It's going to need some really, really innovative thinking, that's for sure. And I'm not sure if either country has cracked it yet, but the world is going to be watching very closely. Hence why we thought it was important to do a shortcut on this topic. That's your
0: shortcut to shrinking populations. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. Claire, I've got a piece from Newsweek. It inspired this whole shortcut. It talks about the point of no return for Japan's population.
1: Yeah, and look, the nerd in me that likes playing around with a bit of data from time to time, there's a tool and it lets you see any country's birth rate over time. Uh, we've got a link to that. It's from the OECD, which is the Organisation for Economic Cooperation. It is a fascinating look. And, I mean, when you said that uh, the birth rate
0: was five uh, back in the 1950s and how much has changed, Claire, over that period of time. I know you're a nerd, but it is interesting <laughs> stuff. Thanks for listening to this Squeeze Shortcut. If you like our shortcuts, we'd love for you to leave us a review on your podcast app, particularly if you're listening on Apple. It really helps other people discover our podcast. So just a little favour at the end of this one today. Thanks again, and we'll be back next week.